Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. I'd like to welcome you all tonight on behalf of Dr. Michelle Corral. Uh, Dr. Corral sponsors this service every week, and I want to thank you all for coming tonight. Tonight, we are gonna, we're going to continue our study in the Hebrew alphabet. And now, we don't say alphabet when we speak, speak about the Hebrew. We call the letters of the Hebrew language the alphabet. Can you all say alphabet? Alphabet. So we're in week three of the letters of lights, the creation code to your destiny. We're in week three in this series, and every week we're going to explore a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the, and the Jewishness of Jesus is revealed in the Hebrew alphabet. I know some of you are new here tonight. You haven't been in a class like this before. But, but I, I want you to know that you already know a lot of this. And I, I'm going to begin by teaching from John chapter 1, verse 1. And actually, let, let us start there. It wasn't part of my teaching tonight, but let, let, let's go there. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And I'll read it to you in, from the RSV. It reads, In the beginning was the Word. Now, how many of you know what the Word is? The word is not a what, the what is a person, right? The word is Jesus. So what, what John is saying here is, in the beginning was the word, with a capital W. And the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So when John, when the Apostle John begins this gospel, he, and he says in the beginning, and at least, there's at least a few times where he says beginning, John is connecting us back to Genesis 1-1, where it reads, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? So, John is teaching us that Jesus, who is called the Word, is just as much God as God the Father and just as much God as God the Holy Spirit. He's part of the Trinity. Amen? Amen. And so, without the Word, nothing that was created was created. The Word is the Son of God. The Word is a person whose name is Jesus, or Yeshua in Hebrew. And it was the Word, He's the one that, 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 that created. Amen? So tonight, we, we are going to speak about Jesus. And then you may wonder, why did we break apart the words? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 18, For truly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one Iota, not one dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, if I can translate what, I, what Jesus meant, when, when in the Greek translation, the word the iota, a dot, are used. In the King James, it says jot or tittle. The more correct way to say it is in Hebrew, where it says that not one jot, or that means not one u, which is the smallest letter of the Hebrew al alphabet, will pass away. And then every jot, can you say jot? Jot. Or, 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 um, or, or one dot. The, 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 um, the jot is, is, is the yud. And with the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the tenth letter. And the tittle is, is the crown. Because some of the Hebrew letters have crowns of, um, over the letters. So what Jesus is saying, there is not one single punctuation mark. Not one character, not one space mark. Nothing will pass away from the Word of God. Amen? In order, if, in order for it to be the accurate Word of God, every single detail must be there. In the Biblical Hebrew, every single detail is significant. For example, when you go to the scroll of Esther, there's one chapter where the ten sons of Haman are listed. I'm sorry, yeah, the ten sons of Haman are listed, and they're listed in two narrow columns. 
That's the only place in the entire Bible where the Hebrew text is written in two narrow columns. And the reason is God is prophesying through Mordecai and Esther the way in which the sons of Haman were going to be killed. And that was through hanging. And Esther and Mordecai also prophesied the hanging of ten Nazi leaders in the Nuremberg trials. Also prophesied in the scroll of Esther. Which we'll study about that during Purim. But tonight I just want you to pay, pay really close attention to what Jesus is saying. Because Jesus says, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law. Now again the word law, which I talked about in the previous session... You know, whenever we see law, we think we always think that applies to the Jews only, and we think about the law that God gave to the Jewish people that apply to the Jews, specifically the 613 commandments of the Torah. But we as Christians are not under the 613 commandments. We are we, we are under a seven that seven Noahide laws. And don't worry about that. I'll explain that to you at a different time. I want to try my best to stay on topic this evening. But I can go off on a million tangents as we're teaching. That's the beauty of studying the Word of God in, in this kind of depth. Amen? And I'm, so, you know, I'm just so grateful that uh, for all the teachings over all the years with Dr. Corral. She's been teaching. I've been in her classes since 1991. And I'm telling you, it's been the, the greatest privilege of my, of my life. And I, I know many of you can attest to the same. You've been studying under Dr. Michelle Corral for a long time. Amen? So not one jot nor one tittle will pass away from the Word of God. The word law in this scripture shouldn't say the word law. It should say the Torah. Can you say Torah? Torah. And the word Torah, it can mean instruction. And that's the meaning I'll use here. So not one jot, not one tittle will pass from the Torah. And the Torah is the Word of God. The, uh, sometimes the Torah, it depends. You have to, when, whenever you see the word Torah used, you must use it within context. Sometimes it refers to the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Right? The, 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 called the Torah. And sometimes you'll, you, you'll hear the word humash used. Can you say humash? humash? Humash is Hebrew for the five. Speaking of the first five books of the Bible. Um, the Greek name for the first five books of the Bible is Pentateuch, which also means five. So you're going to use different names. Sometimes the word Torah will be used to refer to the entire Old Testament. Or the Hebrew scripture, the Tanakh from Genesis through Malachi. When I say Torah, I'm often referring to the entire Bible from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Amen? And I'm so grateful for the rabbis because they, they, they teach us how to read and how to interpret the scriptures. And where I may differ from the rabbis is I believe that Yeshua, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And I believe that G, every, every word in the Bible speaks about Jesus. And the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, it speaks about Jesus himself. Amen? God is so good. I just invite all of you just to fall in love with him tonight. My sister, welcome tonight. Um, you're welcome to come sit here in the front if you like. We have some seats here. This is so, so good to see you here tonight. And tonight we're going we're gonna to go. Uh, so we're, we're speaking about the, the Hebrew alphabet. And again, I, I apologize for those of you that have been here for a while, but I, I don't want to lose anybody tonight. I don't want to lose you in the first five minutes of the service. So I'd like to backtrack a little bit, and I, and I hope it's benefiting all of you tonight. Amen. Amen. I'd like to hear that. I want to speak to you for a moment about the Jewishness of Jesus. You know, often we, when we read the Word of God, it's like we take a syringe and we extract the Jewish DNA out of Jesus. And Jesus was, was, was conceived... Jewish into the womb of, of, of the Virgin Mary 
He was born Jewish, raised Jewish, was crucified Jewish, and raised from the dead on the third day Jewish. Amen? So let's not become anti-Semitic in our interpretation anti-Semitic in our interpretation of the Word of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want, to read a little, uh, I want to read a quote to you from the Catechism, and it reads like this. The Jewish people and their spiritual leaders viewed Jesus as a rabbi. He often argued within the framework of rabbinical interpretation of the law, or the Torah. In Jesus, the same Word of God that had resounded on Mount Sinai, to give the written law to Moses, made itself heard anew on the Mount of the Beatitudes. Jesus did not abolish the law, but fulfilled it by giving its ultimate interpretation in a divine way. I think that sums it up very well. Amen? So Jesus, even Jesus was called rabbi. Read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus was called rabbi. He learned in the way rabbis learned. He was in the temple asking questions the way, the, the way students do. He began his ministry at age 30, which was completely consistent with the rabbis of, 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 of the first century. Amen? Completely consistent. He was not a renegade that came and started a new religion. He's the same yes. He, he came within the construct of, of the Judaisms of the first century. He argued. And when we say argue, we think about having a debate or, or, or you know, it's, it, we think about being confrontational. When we use argument in terms of rabbinic speech, it, it, it's, a, it's a way of learning and understanding the scriptures. Amen? Often if you ask a rabbi for his opinion, you'll get at least two different opinions. And often, much of the material I study will have at least three different opinions. And that's contrary to the way we study as Christians because we want everything to be absolute. But even in differing opinions, even completely contrary, diametrically opposed opinions, we can still receive revelation. Amen? And that's the beauty of studying the Word of God. And it actually makes you more intellectual. It makes you, it makes you even a better person because you learn how to analyze. You learn how to think. You know, years ago, one of my professors asked us a question in one of our classes. He goes, what is the purpose of, of college? And what is the purpose of your degree? And all of us had different opinions. Most of us said it so we can prepare for our careers. For, to help us get a job. And he told us we were all wrong. He says the purpose of your degree is to show others that, that you have the aptitude to learn. And I completely agree with that 100% because everything I learn is not the way I, my, I do my professional work today. But, but I, did leave, I did learn the tools to analyze things. And when you study the Word of God from a rabbinic perspective, you're, you're going to become more prophetic. You're going to find God using you in greater ways. You're going to find yourself becoming more humble. You're going, to find your, you're going to find your character becoming more refined. How many of you want to see greater character refinement in the body of Christ? Amen. Amen. That we be kinder to one another. Amen. That we be more patient with one another. That we treat our husband and our wives in a manner that they should be treated. That we learn how to honor one another. And in areas that we need to be strong, we know how to be strong. Amen. And you receive all that character refinement through the Word of God. And tonight, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, I ask you that, you that you refine our care tonight. I pray that you don't just fill us with intellectual knowledge, even though you will do that. I ask you that, that you will transform our midot, transform our character traits into the image of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So tonight, we are in week, th week three in our series in the Letters of Light. If you've missed the first two, you can actually find them on my Facebook page. Uh, we're actually um, going, we're live right now. 
but uh, all you do is go to facebook.com, search for my, the name I use is CNJ Fusion. So just search, search for CNJ Fusion, just follow me, and you'll be able to scroll down and get the history. And also you can go to youtube.com, search for, search for Destined, the number four Torah. Can you say it with me? Destined, Destined four, four Torah. And then you can, you can find the videos there as well. So, and so I'll, I'll leave you with that. You're going to have so much Torah that you can catch up on. But within every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, you are going to find your destiny, you're going to find your purpose. Tonight, my focus, our focus is going to be the creation code to your destiny. Amen. Amen? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, we live in, we live in a generation that really doesn't learn much and many things in depth. And I'm not saying this to offend anybody. I just want you to look around and you can see that's where our culture has come to. I, I like to call it a Googling ge generation. Because anything that you want to know about, you can go on the internet and Google. You know, we used to, you know, I don't know how many of you remember using the copy machine. We call them Xerox. We call it Xeroxing, but it's not really Xeroxing. Xerox is the name of a company. And like Googling is not a verb. It's a Google's name of a company. But we use their search engines. So we know how to research things. We know how to find things very quickly. And we know how to answer questions very quickly on the surface, but we don't really scratch beyond the surface. And many of us, when we read the Word of God, we read it. And there are many that read the Bible in an entire year, and that's all wonderful. But we need to go deep. We need to learn how to go deeper as well. We don't want to just be on the surface all the time. Sometimes we need to know when we're going to dive into the text and dive into the Word. And the Word of God, the Bible, is our marriage contract with God. And if you want to learn about God, read the Word of God. Amen? Amen? Everything you want to know is within the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, who is our paraclete, he's our teacher and our advocate, he will teach us the Word of God. Amen? Amen. And even tonight, I'm not your teacher. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. Amen. Amen? I learn more by coming to this class than I do in all my week of study. And that's because the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Amen. So last week... And actually, the reason why I, I gave you that analogy is I want you to really, when you see, when we read Jesus is the Word, I want you to go a little deeper and know Jesus is saying, I am the Alphabet. In Revelation, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Those are Greek letters for the Hebrew concept behind those letters. Jesus really says, I am the Aleph and the Top, or I am the Aleph and the Bet. Because Jesus is the living Word of God. Not just every word, He's every letter, He's every youth, He's every crown. Amen? So the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet is the letter Aleph. Can you say Aleph? Aleph. And the letter Aleph also represents the number one. Can you say one? One. The one in the Aleph represents the oneness of God. And the Hebrew prayer that reads, the famous prayer that's known as the Shema, says, Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord. God is one. Let me pray this again. Hear, O Israel, God is our Lord. God is one. So there is no plurality in God. God is one. We as Christians believe in the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one triune God. God the Father is just as much God as God the Son. God the Son is just as much God as God the Holy Spirit. We believe in a triune God, one God, three persons in, in, in the Godhead. Amen? Amen? 
but yet three distinct personalities. Can I explain that to you any more clarity? I can't. I accept it by faith. Amen? Amen. And the letter Aleph represents the oneness of God. The letter Aleph also is represented, represented by another number. Now before I go on here, because I know many of you are new to this class and to these concepts, in Hebrew, we have 22 letters. Aleph being the first letter, Bet being the second letter, Tav being the 22nd letter. In addition, every letter has many, many, many levels of meaning. And each letter has a numerical value. Some letters have multiple numerical values. These numerical values give us additional understanding of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. Amen? Amen. And again, I'm going to try not to say alphabet. I want to say alphabet. Can you all say it with me? Alphabet. Now, I wish I had a whiteboard here. I would actually draw on the board and, and explain these to you in greater depth. But I, I believe in one of these sessions, I will have a board where I can do that. But tonight, what I want to sh I want you to just kind of just imagine, picture in your head what these letters look like. Now, the letter Aleph, which for those of you that have the handouts, Aleph is the first letter. It should be the top right letter on one of the pages because in Hebrew, we read from right to left. I printed out these sheets from HebrewForChristians.com. The four is the number four. HebrewForChristians.com. And so the Aleph looks like this. It's, it's, got a, it's got a diagonal line like this. And I'm trying to draw it the way you should see it. Mm -hmm. You see, and it's a diagonal line, kind of like a slide. That's because the Hebrew letter Aleph is made up of two other letters, or three, depending on how you count. So we, we have the Vav. Can you say the Vav? Vav. The, and the Vav has a numerical value of six. Can you say six? Six. six. Right. And then above the Vav, you've got a dot called the Yud. Can you say Yud? Yud. And below the Vav, you have another Yud. Which is, so the, the Vav is equal to what? Six. 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 You want to pull your calculus up now. So the Vav is a six, and then the Yud above has a value of what? Ten. 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 And the Yud below has a value of what? Ten. ten. So ten plus six plus ten is what? Twenty-six. Twenty-six, right? Mm -hmm. Now, and you may ask the question, so what? What is that, what's significant about twenty-six? Well, remember, even in the numerical representation of the letters is a prophetic message. So the sum of the two yuds and the vav in the aleph is 26. 26 is significant because it has the same numerical value as one of the holiest names of God, which is known as the yud he vav he. It's called the ineffable name. Remember when, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush? And God said, what does God say? I am that I am. And in English, it doesn't really make much sense. He said, I am that I am. What God, what God said to Moses, God revealed his ineffable name to him, the Yudhe It's one of the holiest names of God that have been revealed to, to mankind. Yeah. Do you all remember when God caused all the animals to come before Adam? And, and, and Adam named every creature. Yeah. Right? And whatever he called that creature, that became his name. The rabbis tell us that Adam also gave a name to, a, a name to God. And the name that he gave to God was the ineffable name, the Yud, the He, the Vav, and the He. It's one of the holiest representations of God's name that's given to mankind. I'm not going to teach about that tonight. I mean, I, 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 can, I barely understand it at the surface level, but there's so much, that it, it's, it's so holy, and there's so much revelation in that name. In every name that God reveals to, to us about himself 
has something to do with your deliverance, something to do with your life. Amen? Something to do with your destiny. Jesus is not called Yeshua just to give him a label. The name Yeshua means salvation. So even in the name of Jesus is, is the word salvation that's revealed to us. Amen? And salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Now, the letter Aleph has three different meanings. This, um, there's more than three, but in this class I'll, I'll only teach three. The letter Aleph means master, teacher, and wondrous. Can you say it with me? The letter Aleph means master, teacher, or wondrous. And why is he called master? Why is he called Why is he called master? Because he's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of all that's been created. Amen? So there's no one else worthy to be called master other than God, right? Because he, he, he is the ultimate master. The letter Aleph means teacher. Because I want you to know that Aleph means, Aleph represents God himself. Actually, every letter represents God himself. But in the, in the Aleph, we see God as, first we see him as master. Master of the universe. Creator of the universe. He's... We also see him as teacher, the second meaning of, of, of Aleph. Because who is the teacher of mankind? Who is the ultimate teacher? The Holy Spirit, right? And God is our teacher. And some of the, some of the best, one of the ways God tests, I'll give you the answer before I can even ask it. And one of the ways God teaches us is by testing us. How many of you have lived a life without any testing? <laughs> None of us, right? We all we are all being tested. You know, I used to say that that I get tested from time to time. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna I'm gonna change that and say we're being tested all the time. That means how do I greet you? How do I talk to you? How do I behave? How do I prepare for this service? How do I interact with my wife, Bhavna? I mean, how do I handle? You know, how do I? You know, how do I handle drivers in the in the parking lot? You know, every single every part of life is a test. And the beauty of this test is God gives us many retakes. But I hope you don't need 40 years to, to, to finally pass the test. You know, in fact, there are probably some tests that have already been, have been tested on for over 40 years, and I still don't get it right, you know? So Aleph means master. Aleph means teacher. And the third meaning is Aleph means wondrous. This is one of my favorite ones. Can you say wondrous? Wondrous. And I'm going to ask you all a question. If I had a microphone, I'd hand it to you. But I'm just going to have you shout it out. When you think about, if I were to ask you, what does wondrous mean to you? May I ask, may I ask for your opinion? What does wondrous mean? And I don't think any of you will give me a wrong answer. Bits of... Signs, wonders, and miracles. Excellent. So you think about wondrous in terms of miracles, of miraculous wonders. I agree with that one. I think I saw Sister Lydia. What does wondrous mean to you? I know you're scratching your head, but that's the hand up to me. <laughs> um, indescribable. Undescribable. That is that is a beautiful. That is that is so undescribable. Okay, so we have miracles. We have undescribable. Did I see another hand, Sister? Um, the beauty of nature is just wondrous. The beauty of nature is wondrous. About the seven wonders, and so I agree with that one too. Herbert, sister, teacher, Annie. 
Miracles, excellence. Michael. Uh, remarkable, extraordinary. Remarkable. Something that causes excitement. Something that causes excitement. All right. I want to give you a different opinion. You're all correct. You're all correct. But before I give you the answer, is there anything more wondrous than the Word of God? No. When before God created the universe, He looked into the Torah, into the Word of God in heaven, and that was His blueprint for creating all of creation. Aleph means wondrous, and it refers to God, refer, God revealing to us the deeper meanings of His Word. And another beauty of the word of the Hebrew languages, sometimes when you spell the words backwards in reverse order, it gives you another revelation. So the Hebrew letter Aleph, spelled backwards, reads the word Pela, which means wondrous. So in the reverse order of the letters of Aleph, reads Pela, and Pela is the Hebrew word for wondrous. The ultimate wondrous Revelations will be revealed at the coming of Messiah. In Christ Jesus revealed such wonders at when He sat upon the Mount of, of the Beatitudes and spoke the Word of God. Jesus is not only the fulfillment of the Torah, He, 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 is, a, he is the living wonder, and He is the one that reveals the depth of God's Word to us. Amen? In fact, he gives us the more accurate interpretation of the Word of God. He's the one that brings us the spirit of the law. Amen? Not just the written law, but all the written Torah, but also the spiritual depth of God's Word. Now, pair the Talmud, and for now, I'm going to use words like Talmud and Midrash. I'm, I don't want to explain that in much detail tonight, but whenever I use the words Talmud or Midrash, I'm referring to the rabbinic commentaries, all right? The writings of the sages. Here the Talmud, God created the universe to exist for 6,000 years. Actually, more accurately, though God created the world to exist for 6,000 years. And they can be broken down into three 2,000-year periods. The first 2,000-year period, and just to explain it to you a little more clearly, right now we are in the Hebrew year 5779. That means it has been 5,779 years since the creation of Adam and Eve. And that's counting on the, on the Hebrew calendar. On our Gregorian calendar, we are in the year 2019. But on the Hebrew calendar, we are in the year 5779. And when Rosh Hashanah comes, the Hebrew New Year, on the first day of the seventh month, the Hebrew year will increment, increment from 5779 to 5780. All right? So, the first 2,000 years referred to God being revealed as Master. The Midrash states that, Adam called, that God caused all the animals to pass before Adam, and Adam named every creature. And Adam caused every one of the beasts to bow down to God, thus acknowledging God as Master and Creator of the universe. Isn't that awesome? Amen. 
So this, this refers to God being a master, and that was revealed at, at, the, at the first part of man's creation. The second 2,000 year period was the, the period of the Torah. Can you say it with me? The period of the Torah. And that means that's when Torah teaching began to be propagated, beginning with Abram and Sarah. Because Aleph also means teaching, right? So we see master in the first 2,000 years. We see Aleph meaning teacher in the second 2,000 year period. Because that was the time, which was 1948 after the creation of, of Adam. In the, year, in the Hebrew year 1948, Adam, I mean Abraham was born. And it was during his generation that he began to propagate and to preach and to teach monotheism, belief in one God. He began to convert the men, his wife was converting the women. And, and so we, we, we see that, and that was the very first time that we see evangelization. We don't see Adam evangelizing. We don't see Noah evangelizing. The very first time we see the teachings of Torah being spread began with Abram and Sarah. So, and so that, the, the second 2,000 year period is, the, is known as the period of teaching. The first 2,000 year period, it not only is it known as master for Allah, it's also known as chaos. Because the word of God wasn't being preached. So whenever the word of God is not being preached, you live in a, you live in a time of chaos. Now the final 2,000 year period are the days of Messiah. So, and that refers to Aleph being wondrous. Because when Messiah comes, and Messiah first came 2,000 years ago, when Messiah came, he began speaking the wondrous revelation of God's word. Amen? And we, all, we are all recipients of that today. So the final 2,000 years are the days of Messiah. So it has been 2,000 years since Messiah, since Christ Jesus walked upon the earth. And when Messiah returns, the Jews believe the Messiah has not come yet. We as Christians believe that the Messiah will return a second time. And when Messiah returns, when Christ Jesus returns, He will bring the 6,000 years to a conclusion, and then we'll begin the, 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 the millennial reign of Christ. Alright? If you got something out of that, please say Amen. Amen. Awesome. So I pray tonight's teaching, tonight's impartation will be wondrous to each and every one yes. of us tonight. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And this wondrous era has the potential to usher in peace and tranquility throughout the entire world. When Messiah returns, I believe, I, I, it's my opinion that the third temple will not be rebuilt until Messiah returns. And per last week's teaching, Messiah will turn our exile into redemption. How many of you want to see every area of your life that's in exile to be redeemed? Yes. Yes. Amen? That, means, that could mean ruins in, in, in your families, in your finances, in any area of your life that God is going to bring the reparation. Amen? And it's through the presence of God, through the presence of Aleph, that your ruins, your exile, your gola, will be turned into Gehula. Now, the Hebrew word for exile is, is gola, spelled G-O-L-A-H. I know I'm not pronouncing these Hebrew words um, uh, correctly. I'm doing my best to pronounce them. Gola means exile. Now, the Hebrew word for redemption is geula. Can you say geula? The only difference between these words is the letter aleph. Because if you take the word gola and you insert the letter, Hebrew letter aleph 
into it, it becomes the word Geula, becoming redemption. So, what, so meaning, when you add God to your life, your exile will be turned into redemption. When you bring Jesus into your life, your, your, your exile will be turned into redemption. And salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus. Amen? The stages of God as master of the universe and as teacher blossom into the days of Messiah when God will be revealed on a wondrous level. And all of this is contained in the letter out. Now we all know that Christ Jesus is our bridegroom, right? And we are his bride. So the church here on earth is the bride of Christ. And when at and at, at the rapture, we will be joined to Christ Jesus, the bridegroom. And that will be a marriage that, that takes place. Now, I want to I draw an earthly analogy to this. How many of you are married or, or have ever been married? Now, imagine after five years of marriage, or ten years of marriage, or fifteen years of marriage. And I, I, I'm going to speak to the ladies first, so the ladies will get this better. Is after five years of marriage, your husband does not know you any better than your marriage day. After 15 years, your husband has no better understanding of you. And you're going to get to your point that your husband is clueless. <laughs> right? And don't worry, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well. There are areas that I'm like, I go, Bauna, I didn't know that about you. And she looks at, she looks at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but I, I guess I'm wired a little, a little different. But now I want you to apply this to your relationship with Jesus. How does Jesus feel that after all these years of walking with Him, you have no better understanding of Him than, than the day that you, you came to a relationship with Him? Because He is our bridegroom. We, we, we need to grow leaps and bounds. We need, to be, we need to learn more wondrous things about Him every day. We need to fall more and more in love with Him. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He is the one preparing us for the coming of Messiah. Because He is the one that is going to present us to Christ Jesus. So I want to receive everything on this earth that, that will prepare me for the second coming of Christ Jesus. I don't want to miss out. On, I don't want any of you to miss out on anything. As a teacher of God's Word, I am more accountable to God because I'm teaching His Word. And I just pray that, that everything I speak will be done and everything I articulate will be in total alignment with God's will. Because I want, I want all of us to be presented to Jesus as spotless. That we are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And that every area of our lives have been purified and sanctified to, to God. That our speech becomes pure, that we don't live our days speaking gossip all the time and putting one another down and, and backbiting and backstabbing one another. That our, our thoughts are in a, in a, our thoughts are, are pure. That we're not thinking adulterous thoughts when we're married to somebody. Because we want our thoughts to be pure. The Word of God will bring us to a place to, to even where our thoughts are in alignment with God's will. And that we live a lifestyle that's in alignment with God's Word. That means we know that marriage is, is, is a covenant between one man and one woman. And, and, that, and, and that every area of our lives is in total alignment. And that even the rights of the, the, the unborn children do matter. Amen? And the elderly do matter. These are things that I, encourage, I hope every one of us in this room will embrace. 
because I don't want us to compromise to the culture of this nation. I want us to, I want our light to shine before men. And it's okay if there are others that disagree with us. We should be able to dis dis disagree and still have a healthy, a healthy conversation on our disagreements. I will not bash anyone that disagrees with, with my opinion. But at the same time, I expect others to at least respect where I stand. Amen? Because we, we, we've lost that ability to, to have an argument without really arguing. Without becoming uh, offensive. And then, um, I already shared with you why we study the alphabet. Because Jesus is every jot and every tittle. Jesus is the living Torah that we've come to learn from him. So we've already covered the bet. We covered the, 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 the Aleph represents the number one and the number 26. Represents the oneness of God. God and the 26 is the sum of the three parts of the Aleph, which speaks about the Hebrew name of the four-letter Hebrew name of God. And it has three meanings, master, teacher, and wondrous. Um, I'll probably I'll post some of these notes on the blog at destinedfortorah.com. Just click on destinedfortorah.com and click on this week's blog, and I'll start adding the notes for this service. The second letter we're going to talk about tonight is the letter Bet. Can you all say Bet? Yes. I spell it B-E-I-T. You can spell it any, any way you like phonetically. The Hebrew letter Bet. And the form of the letter is like the backward letter C. And it consists of three lines. <clears throat> it consists, of, so I want you to picture this. It has one vertical line. So it's like a C, but, it, but it's, um, it, it's, it's, they're all like straight lines. So it's got a horizontal line at the top, a vertical line coming down, and a horizontal line at the bottom. Can you all, can you all picture that? Mm -hmm. So it looks like a backward C. These three lines represent three directions, east, south, and west. East, south, and west. The horizontal line on the top represents the east. The vertical line represents the south. And the bottom line represents the west. I hope, hope I'm not boring you. It's going it's to become prophetic in just a moment. The three lines represent three directions. East, south, and west. But there's one line missing. There's no line in the north. Can you all look, look at your neighbor and say... There's no line in the north. There's no line in the north. So we have, we have east, south, and west. The design of the bet is similar to the path of the sun. It rises in the east, and then it sets in the west. The sun rises in the east, and then it sets in the west. And feel free to draw it with your hands. It will actually help you remember it. The Midrash states that the letter bet is similar to the construction of the world. Now, if you're to study the, the earth from, a, ge from ge a, ge a geologist's perspective, if you look at the mass, the land masses, we have a land mass in the east, we have a land mass in, in, the, in the south, which, uh, which is Antarctica, because under the ice of Antarctica, there is a land mass, it's a continent called Ant Antarctica. And, but there, so we have land mass in the south, in the east and the west, but there's no landmass on the north. There is no landmass at the North Pole. And that is right in alignment with the way God created the earth. He left the north side empty by, by divine design. 
the north is open. So the lesson here is, the lesson God has given us here is, God created the earth imperfect. The job of mankind is to complete the creation by perfecting it. And there's three areas in which we perfect the creation. See, the way we read the Bible, in Genesis 1-1 it reads, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. So, and then we have all these arguments, was the creation complete or not? But if you read, if you read Genesis 1-1 in your English Bible, it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Then verse 2 talks about tohu and bohu, and it goes on to talk about the seven days of creation. In the Hebrew Bible, it, it doesn't say, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. It says, in the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth. So that's telling us what Moses, who's the author of the first five books of the Bible, Moses is teaching us that I'm going to share with you how God began to create. In the beginning of God's creation of the heavens and the earth. So the creation will not be complete until Messiah returns. Is there evil in the earth? I think so. Well, evil will not be eradicated until Messiah comes. Is there sickness on the earth? Sickness will not be eradicated until Messiah comes. So, and how do we make the world a better place? It's through our good deeds we make the world a better place. See, we have a part in perfecting God's creation. That's by learning His Word, by learning what's right and what's wrong, and, 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 and wherever there's, where there's an injustice, where things are wrong in the earth, that we, we do our part to make things better. If there, are, if, there are, if there are villages in Africa that don't have water wells and you know about it, well, it, it may be your responsibility to, to put together a project to, to, to build a well in that country. You know, Dr. Corral has sponsored the building of many wells in Africa. And many of you have been part of those projects that build wells. One of the things that we're going to do with the finances that come in for this service tonight is that we are going to help take care of and educate the Iraqi, Iraqi refugee children that are living in, in Jordan. Right? So every one of us is doing a small part to, 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 to perfect God's creation. You remember when Jesus told those on, on his right side, you know, come into my father's house? He says, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And, and they all asked him, when did we see you hungry? And when did we feed you? When did we give you drink? And Jesus says, whenever you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Amen. Mother Teresa is the greatest example of a person that walked with God and that really performed acts of loving kindness. I mean, just truly lived it. She, she did not care what religion they were. She did not ask them what denomination they were. It didn't matter whether you're a Hindu, Christian, Muslim. Or, uh, it didn't matter. She, 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 she loved on you no matter what. And I'm telling you, that is, that, is, I mean, that is such an example of love in the earth. Amen? And I'm just at, if I can ask the Holy Spirit to give all of us one thing tonight is is that he impart that kind of love to you in some small way that you can leave this room and demonstrate God's compassion on somebody else. Mm -hmm. Because the only Jesus the world's going to see is through your character. Yeah, yeah. It's through your character. 
And we don't want to be a people that bash everyone that doesn't agree with us. I mean, the political climate in America is at a level I've never, ever, I've never seen in my life. But my prayer is that our light, let your light shine before men, that they may see, they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Because most people that you come into contact with, with, with will never step into a church. The only church they're going to see, the only Jesus they're going to see is the way you live your life on this earth. And that's through your love. Amen? Amen. And this word is not designed to scare you. This word is designed to bring you an awareness. And, but just allow... And I appreciate you saying that. It's just... And you, know, you know what? We, we, we should walk in fear and wonder before God. Amen? We, we need to have that reverence because many of us have lost the awe of God's presence. You know, if a dignitary would have walked in this room, we would all stand up and, and, and honor that dignitary. If the President of the United States would come in, we, we would address the President with that respect and call him Mr. President. Amen? If, the, if Queen Elizabeth would have walked in this room, you would give her the proper respect. And we'd probably all stumble as Americans because we don't know what we, how we address the Queen of England. Mm -hmm. But you know what? That, that, that's all protocol. Protocol will come in time as well. And when we, when we come into God's presence, we need to learn the protocol of God's kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, some months ago, I think we did a teaching series on the protocol of God's kingdom. One day it will be in a book, but I just struggled. I just haven't had the time to put the next book together. So, but... The out, the bet is open on one side, right? Mm -hmm. If we got east, south, and we have west, but the north is open. The question I want you to ask your neighbor is, why is the north side open? <laughs> the answer is going to shock you. Because when God began the creation, the very uh, Genesis 1:1. In Hebrew, begins with the Hebrew letter Bereshit. Can you say Bereshit? Bereshit begins with the Hebrew letter Bet. It doesn't begin with Aleph. It begins with Bet, and it begins with an open. It begins with an open-ended with a Bet that's open on the north side. There's a scripture that reads, "Evil comes from the north," and the reason is God created mankind. God wanted to create mankind with free will. So how can you have free will if you don't have the opportunity to disagree with God or not to do God's will? So, and that's why when God planted two trees, planted, in addition to all the other trees, God planted a, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And God commanded Adam, do, you may eat of the tree of life, but do not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I'm going to mess up your blue Sunday school books that you read at the doctor's office, at least I did. And every, time I went to, every time my mom took me to a doctor as a child in, in Manchester, England, and I, I, there was always a, a blue uh, a picture Bible book um, uh, in, in the waiting area, and I was always, you know, open them up, and I see Adam and Eve, and I see them partaking of this apple from this tree. But you know what? The, the scripture doesn't say they ate an apple. They partook of a knowledge. Was it a physical fruit? I don't think so. They partook of a knowledge that God told them not to partake of. And how were they able to partake of that knowledge? It's because the way God created the creation was with an open-ended bet. Because God wanted a people that would serve Him out of His or her free will. 
Amen? And I think, you know, so having free will is both a blessing and a curse. If you choose to do good, if you choose to serve God, it's, it's a good thing. But if you choose to live an evil life, well, guess what? Then, then, then it's a curse to you. Because God did, God did not create us like artificial intelligence bots. He created all of us with free will, and He, he wants us to choose to serve Him. Amen? Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for that. Now, there's another concept in here. Is since God created the creation with an open-ended letter, with the bet, evil comes from the north. Within each and every one of us is, is, is are, are two inclinations. We have a good inclination, and we have an evil inclination, right? For those of you that remember, say with me, that the, the, the good inclination in Hebrew is called the Yetzer Hatol. Can you say it with me, Yetzer Hatol? Inclination of the good, literal uh, translation. And then on my left, uh, I'll just use my left hand, uh, it, we also have the Yetzer Hara. Can you say it with me? Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination. So whenever you learn about one of God's commandments, thou shalt not murder. And, you, and well, now that you know the law, now you know the law for, for killing people, what's the temptation that's going to come if somebody crashes into your car in the parking lot? Or does, well, is, I want to kill that person. Well, no, I'm sure none of you would want to do that. It's a silly example. But what I do want to emphasize is we, we have a free will. And we can choose to do good or we can choose to do evil. And there's always, a, there's always temptation is always around us. How many of you live your life with no temptation, no struggles whatsoever to sin? Everything in your life is perfect. You love everybody. You've never been angry. You've never done anything wrong. All right, glad none of you raised your hand. Every one of us faces the Yetzahara and the Yetzahatov every single day, all day long. Somebody upsets you. Your boss didn't give you the raise that you were expecting to give that raise to somebody else that you felt was undeserving. Things, things happen in life. You know what? And you know what? Good, bad things do happen to good people as well. Bad things do happen to good people. But what I encourage all of you to do is accept everything in life as part of God's will. And allow everything that happens in life to be a test of your character. Because God will test each and every one of us. Again, I know at least in this room, nobody in this room is perfect. But I want you to allow God to refine your character. It is a blessing to exist on this planet. It is a blessing to, 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 to be part of God's creation. Let's not squander our life on this earth. Let us use every moment of our life to refine our character, to live life, a life worthy of the calling of God, and to, dem and to show our hesed, our loving kindness to the world. Amen? Because I'm not here to preach a hate message. I'm not here to preach a message of discrimination. I am here to preach a message of truth, a message of love, a message that, that, will, set, that will be used to send you out and to preach this gospel. Amen? Amen. Now, there's another Hebrew. I, didn't, um, I apologize because I'm throwing a lot at you, especially if you haven't been in one of these classes before. I'm, throwing, I'm going, where are these? I've never heard these concepts before. You actually know them already. You just haven't learned the Hebraic roots of, of those words. So the, 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 there's a word, remember how God created the, bet, the world with the letter bet, with, with open in the north, and the creation is not complete yet, because we, it is our job, our duty to perfect the creation. That process of repairing or, or finishing the creation 
is called tikkun. Can you say tikkun? I spell it T-I-K-K-U-N. And tikkun means reparation. And tikkun is embodied in the Hebrew letter bet. And it, and it speaks about repairing those things that are wrong. For example, in Ruth chapter 1, the book that we studied a few weeks ago during the preparation for Pentecost or Shavuot, we, I taught about Ruth. And, and Naomi had come through a very horrible situation where her husband decided to move the family to Moab in a time of famine. So Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, brought so much destruction to the family. And, Elimelech, and God judged the family, struck Elimelech dead, and struck his two sons dead. Naomi was left of her two daughters-in-law and returned back to Bethlehem with only one of her former daughters-in-law, Ruth. Naomi had the job to repair all the damage that her husband had done. And sometimes in your own life, God will use you as a tikkun for your own family. Amen? You know, so uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you fill in the blanks, but God may use you to repair injustices that take place in your family. Maybe your family's a family that, uh, where many, most of your relatives demonstrate selfishness or greed or just have certain character traits that are not so holy. Well, God may use you to bring reparation to your family, to your bloodline. That is a form of tikkun. Or if there are injustices taking place in your nation, God may use you to bring that reparation, that tikkun. Now, one of my favorite books of all time is a book called Reese uh, uh, Howe Intercessor. And if you haven't read it, I encourage every one of you to read that book, Reese Howe Intercessor. Reese Howe was called upon God, I want you to intercede for the widows in India. The widows in India are not receiving, they are not being taken care of by the government. They, they, they are not receiving their, their um, I guess, the equivalent of our social security system. They're not being taken care of. And the Lord called him to live the life, the lives of the widows in, in, in India. And I think that meant he was only to eat one, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but he was only to eat, a, 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 he was, he was going to eat like the widows in India. I think it was only a bowl of rice a day. Is that what it was? So that's the greatest form of intercession when you take on the pain of somebody else, right? So he, so during that period of fasting, he he ate like the widows of India, and he continued that intercession, that prayer, and that fasting until the laws were changed in India to take care of the widows. Isn't that awesome? He was a tikkun for the widows in India. He did not even live in India. But God called him to be an intercessor for the widows of India. And God may be calling some of you, like I know he already is, he's calling some of you to be intercessors for India. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to use you the way he chooses to use you. Imagine if God calls you to leave America and move to India, to move to Calcutta, and live a life like Mother Teresa, and to take care of the poor. I want you to be open to God's will in your life. We are very spoiled living here in Orange County, in California. One of the most affluent places in the entire world. But we don't know what the world really is. I encourage all of you... Oh, sister, question? How do you say Reese Hall? Can you spell that? Mm -hmm. Reese, R-E-E-S-E. You got it. R-E-E-S-E -E -E and Hal, H-O-W-E-L-L. And I can show you exactly. I can take you to Amazon or the Kindle website. I'll show you where it is. It's, it's, it's an awesome, awesome book. 
That's one book I'll never give away because I keep reading it over and over again. Now, appreciate you, appreciate you asking that question. Now, remember I told you every Hebrew letter has a numerical value? Or a gematria? The, the, the gematria, or the numerical representation of bet, is the number two. Can you say two? Two. two. Look at your neighbor and say two. Two. Two represents duality, because in Aleph we only see oneness, the oneness of God. In the letter Bet, we see two. We see duality. When God created man, he created mankind, male and female. So we see duality introduced. So this is also teaching us that oneness only, only exists with God himself, represented by the Aleph, but we see duality in, 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 in the Bet. Now, that letter Aleph, the previous letter, also represents our faith. Why do we believe that God, how do we believe that God is Trinity, one God? We believe by faith. We believe that that's, that's the Aleph. In Bet, Bet represents, also represents understanding God with our intellect. So how do we understand an infinite God, an omniscient God, an omnipresent God? We, we can't understand those attributes of God. Omniscience is the, it means all-knowing, right? Will any of us ever be all-knowing? Not ever. Even after a million years with Christ Jesus, we'll only know maybe even a drop of, of God because He's so vast. And He's, he's omniscient, He's omnipotent, meaning He's all-powerful, and, and He's, he's, om, he, he's, omni, he's um, omnipresent, He's everywhere. These are three attributes that cannot be propagated or given to mankind. Man, neither male nor, nor the female. But the other attributes of God can be communicated to mankind. One of those is the attribute of hesed, the attribute of selfless loving kindness, the attribute of gaborah or strength. There are many attributes of patience. These are all attributes that God can communicate with his people, but the three main attributes are incommunicable attributes of God. Alright? Are you all with me so far? Yeah. So the bet represents our level of understanding, it represents our intellect. So God, so even as I'm breaking down the word of God to you, that's God's way of teaching us his word at an intellectual level. Amen? So that we can understand it. And we break it down into chunks so that we can digest it little by little. My style of teaching is to break it down as little by little and give you earthly analogies to help you understand the concepts. Oh my God, I just realized the time, so we're, we're almost done here. Now, there are two levels of our relationship with the, with the Word of God. The first level is a level of faith, that we just accept things by faith. There are some commandments that we can't explain to one another. Why do we perform certain commandments? It's like you telling your kids, when your kids keep asking, why mom, why mom? And you just say, just do it. Because you, you can't explain it to them. Or at least at that age, they won't be able to understand why you give them those rules. So those are the incommunicable, the, the closest analogy I can come up with of attributes that cannot be communicated. And then we have communicable, where you can tell, well, why do I have to eat my vegetables? Because it's good for you. And then you can explain all the nutritional benefits. I have a little joke, uh, when my, one of my nieces, when she was like three, four years old, I used to sit in front of the computer and, and introduce her to, to kids' games on, on, the, on the internet. 
So every time a game would start, it wouldn't start right away, it would start to load. And so the person would ask me, why, what is it doing? Why isn't it starting? I said, because it's loading. She goes, what is, she goes, why is it loading? And I'd explain the whole process of downloading files from a file server from a, in a data center somewhere. And, and then it's being downloaded to your computer, and your computer's processing it, and they'll appear on your screen. I go, do you understand? She goes, yeah. Then the second lady, she goes, what, why is it that? Because why is it loading? Because I can't explain that concept to her. She just wants to play the game. Well, some things, when it comes to our relationship, there are things that we cannot comprehend. So God will use a different analogy to explain it to us, and sometimes we just have to accept things as truth. Amen? But God is so merciful, He understands where we are, where He will explain things to us. You know, when I was studying, when I was reading John 1-1 for so many years, and John is describing Jesus as the Word, I go, why would you call Jesus a Word? That doesn't make sense to me. But it wasn't until I started studying the Hebrew alphabet and studying what the rabbis teach about the Hebrew letters that I began, and the rabbis describe each letter almost like they were living and moving as if they were real people. I realized that these letters are not inanimate, inanimate. they're not just objects, they represent a person, and that's Christ Jesus himself. Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is the alphabet, amen? I'm gonna close right here. And I'm going to go into more detail next Friday night. Next Friday night, we're going to meet right here at the Embassy Suites in Anaheim, at the Embassy Suites North in Anaheim on Frontera Street uh, at around 7, 7.30 p.m. And I'll, so I, I invite you all to come next next week. I'm going to conclude here. I, 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 hope you, I, I hope you got a lot that you can take home with you. I don't want to drown you in the letters. I thought I can cover one letter per week, but I think I can cover half a letter per week, and we have 22 letters. So we, we have, so we, we still have 21 letters to, to, to cover in greater depth. All right? But the, 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 uh, the, the letter, the Hebrew, one of the meanings for the bet is house. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. This is my final conclusion. We already have my pre-conclusion, my final conclusion for tonight. The, the, the first letter of the Word of God is, is bet, right? And it's open in the north. Representing our free, meaning representing our free will, and bet also means house. And in the beginning, when God created the world, His tava or His desire was that God should dwell in His home. And God wants each and every one of you to become a bet. The scriptures tell us that we are the ten, Paul. The Apostle Paul tells us that we are the temple, the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. We are the bet of the Holy Spirit. We want to make our bodies a living temple for the Holy Spirit. And God's presence will not dwell with wickedness. Amen? So I, I invite all of you, even through this word that we study together, is to allow God's presence to be so much a part of your life. Allow His presence to rule in, in your character. And invite His Shekinah glory to embody you. That wherever you go, know that you are carrying God's presence within you. And the only God that people are going to see in the world is the way you live your life, by your character traits. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to invite you all to stand with me and let's just worship the Lord. Lord, I just thank you tonight for tonight's Torah teaching. Lord, I just ask you to bless your people tonight, Lord God. And Lord, I just pray that you give us even more revelation, the wondrous revelation of your holy Aleph, Lord God, and to reveal yourself to us 
that, that we will, each and every one of you, will truly become your bayis, that we will truly become your, your bed, that will become your house. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand and praise. Amen.